Live from Miami, Florida, the foodie presents WTF. Where's the food? A new day, a new week. This is October 16, 2018. What up? What's going on? It is Nick, and welcome to another episode of WTF Where's the Food presented by the Hala Guys. Thank you guys again for joining me on this journey. I'm a little under the weather, but we'll get through this together, and I promise you it's going to be a great episode. You know, this is season two, and season two would not be possible without you guys. Thank you guys for listening week in and week out. Of course, you can follow me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Foodie T-H-E-F-O-O-D-E. Of course, an amazing website as well, thefoodie.com, T-H-E-F-O-O-D-E.com. Lots of great stuff on there, food news, food porn. Also, anything we talk about on the episode will be there, clickable for you. And of course, you can listen to full episodes of WTF Words of Food on the website as well. If you'd like to listen to podcasts other ways, of course, you can subscribe and download wherever you get your podcasts and listen to your podcast, whether it be uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And uh, if you do listen on Apple Podcasts, uh, I would love if you left me a review on there as well. So this is episode three of season two, and I cannot forget, this is South Beach Seafood Festival Week. Depending on when you're listening, I'm hosting a great event on Thursday, October 18th. It's called Crab Slabs and Cabs. It's the ultimate surf and turf event. Um, last I heard, there was less than 10 tickets left. It might be sold out. But if you are going, I hope to see you there. Come and say hi. Um, and if you didn't buy tickets, you're going to be those people that are jealous on Instagram, seeing your friends there. We have great surprises for you. It's going to be a fun night. And if you can't make it out to that event, the festival happening on Saturday, October 20th, is always a great time. And I believe if you have a day or two left, you can buy tickets, SobeySeafoodFest.com. Use the code FOODIE, F-O-D-E, and you're going to get 20% off your tickets that way. Now let's run down episode number three of season two of WTF Words Food, presented by the Hala Guys, uh, Helene Henderson, the founder and chef at Malibu Farm. We're going to talk to her, get the story on how uh, Malibu Farm came to be, why she brought the concept to Miami um, after people didn't even believe in the project, um, and kind of what's next for Helene and Malibu Farm. We'll get all that information, plus, of course, food news. We all love food news. Lots of good information there. A lot of candy news this week. Um, we'll get to that. And, of course, the food porn of the week this week from at Sweet Portfolio. Valentina posted an epic video of this giant chocolate macaroon. It's filled with cheesecake dough, Ferrero Roche, truffles, and lots of Nutella. You have to see this thing. You have to see this video. It's epic. So what do you say? Let's kick off episode number three of season two with my conversation with Helene Henderson, the founder and chef at Malibu Farm. And I'm joined in the studio by the founder and chef at Malibu Farm, Helene Henderson. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Don't don't be scared of the mic. It's, it's your don't friend. We're just here like two buddies having a conversation. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Malibu Farm, you finally opened down here, and it's amazing. I've been. I love it. Um, and I want to talk about that. you got locations in Malibu, Newport Beach, uh, Miami Beach at the Eden Rock. Um, congrats on all the success, first of all. Thank you. It's pretty crazy because not so long ago I was cooking out of my backyard. and I, I, I did read some of that. Miami Beach. And I want to get into that. But um, before you kind of opened Malibu Farms, did you always know you wanted to, to kind of pursue a chef career? I did not know. I did work in catering and okay. private events for quite some time. 
mostly because I couldn't uh, sing, dance, or act, <laughs> or do anything else. You want uh, to be a, a, a singer-dancer? I mean, I don't know that I wanted to be, but my half-sister was a singer, and she's like the more uh, glamorous version of me. Okay. And I couldn't do any of that, so I was kind of like, what can I do? Oh, my <laughs> grandmother taught me some cooking, so I guess I'll try to make that work. So you do you incorporate any of uh, anything your grandma taught you in cooking today? Uh, well, I think my Swedish upbringing where I grew up, I always loved um, potatoes. I like really, really simple foods. Mm. I like them very um, um, simply prepared without too much fuss, without okay. too many ingredients added to it. The simpler, the better? Yeah. The cleaner, the better. Okay. I get kind of overwhelmed if you start putting way too many ingredients on the one plate. And, and you're from Sweden, correct? Yeah, I was born and raised there. Why the move to kind of, you ended up, you went to California first? I went to New York first. Okay. And why the move to California where you kind of started in Malibu? Well, I grew up in the very north of Sweden. It's kind of near the Finnish border, not okay. Stockholm, where everyone has been to. Okay. And at the time, there was kind of no jobs up there. And almost everyone either moved south. It was super popular to go for a one-year gap year. Mm-hmm. Almost everyone I knew went to the UK to work okay. as au pairs. Uh, but my dad was uh, American. My parents were only married for like one year, but I had a U.S. citizenship. Okay. So I figured I'd go one year to New York City to do my gap year. Okay. But then I never returned to Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> and then you ended up in, in California, right? I ended up in California. I met somebody, a friend in New York that was from California. Okay. And when she returned to California, she kept saying, Oh, California is so much better than New York. You should come come with me. And actually, she said, uh, if you move to L.A., I'll find you a job, a boyfriend, and a car. <laughs> so I'm like, she, you know, does she, does she, she delivered. She, she delivered all three. <laughs> all three, yes. Okay. <laughs> and um, why the decision to kind of start Malibu Farm? Um, you know, I had uh, worked in catering and private events for about uh, 12 years. I actually ran a catering company called Lavender Farms Catering. And then we moved to Malibu. And I had a private chef job at the time. Super easy job. Super hard job. Super easy job, however you look at it. When you cook for one family every night, it's hard because you're cooking for the same family and right. you have to think of interesting things for mm-hmm. them to eat every night. You don't want them to get bored. You don't want them to get bored, but then often you have a family that only eats white meat chicken. Okay. Or they only eat, you know, very limited ingredients. And so it's hard in that sense. But it was easy amount, the amount of hours I had to work. Um, and some of the women in Malibu had asked me if I would teach cooking classes during the day. Okay. And I was like, okay, sure. I don't have to be to work until five. If you want to come to my house, and I'll teach you a cooking class. So that's kind of how it all began. And was the name kind of just because you were in Malibu? and Well, so there was no name. It was more like 10 women that came to my house (laughs) for a cooking class. It was extremely informal. We would go out into my garden, and we'd pick some uh, produce and that, and then we would cook a meal. Mm -hmm. And then after the class, they would kind of go like, where are the recipes? And I'm like, recipes? There are no recipes. It's just like free form. I'm like, I'm trying to have fun here. They're like, yeah, but it's a class. We like the recipes. And I was kind of thinking, Ugh, how do I make this? I didn't want to be like thinking before the class. Yeah, what we're you gonna make? Just do it off the top of your head. You know? I, that's what I wanted to do. So I didn't want to have to think of it beforehand and print up the recipes. So nice. actually, one of the husbands of one of the women that took the the class said, Well, why don't you start a blog? If you start a blog, you can post the recipes on the okay. blog after the class. So I was like, oh, great idea. 
what's the name of my blog? <laughs> I have, you know, eight readers. I mean, what am I going to call this blog? Um, then it was like, I live in Malibu. I have some chickens and some goats and a pig. And we got small vineyard. We got, you know, some uh, 50 fruit trees and a bunch of vegetable beds. Mm, this Malibu farm is this blog taken. No, it's not. Okay, Malibu farm it is. And that was the name of the blog where I posted the class recipes. And that became the restaurant, essentially. That became the restaurant. After doing the cooking classes for maybe um, two years, some of the women were like, and at that time it was mostly women. Towards the end, actually a lot of guys, and probably like 50-50 of the class participants were men. But in the beginning it was all women. And they said, oh, it's so fun at your house, the way we run the yard and the chickens. You should have a dinner so we can bring our husbands. It'll be so fun. And I'm thinking, charge people to come for dinner at my house. That seems awkward. But then again, <laughs> I don't want to invite 100 people to my house that I don't know for dinner. That seems like a lot of like... You're right. It's a lot so, of work on you A lot too. of work. Um, so then I was like, well, maybe I'll make a fundraiser for the local school if you give a donation to the, um, the little public school in Malibu then you can come to the dinner. And so that was the dinner. That's amazing. Now, did you always want to open your own restaurant? Or it was never uh, even a thought? No, not really. I was just doing, you know, my private, sh- I still had my private chef job, which I actually had until uh, until I opened on the pier, mm-hmm. which was a cushy job because private chefing is kind of where all the easy money is mm-hmm. in the cooking world. Yeah. And that was my job, and I was really just doing Malibu Farm for fun. It was like the hobby that ate my life. Got it. <laughs> it took over my life. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think that it would ever become what it is today and still um, growing? You know, I started, the, I did the first dinner, and then everyone's like, oh, when's the next dinner? Uh, and I was like, oh, next dinner, oh. And then I started to do more and more dinners. And there was definitely that moment when I thought, huh, because uh, my blog would certainly suddenly have hits from all over the world. From China, from, I think there were some from like some random country. Spreading. <laughs> Spreading. And people would be like, oh, how do we come for a dinner at Malibu Farm? And I'm like, it's not my quirky backyard. <laughs> like, it's not a real thing. <laughs> I mean, it is very real, but it's not maybe what, 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 what you perceive it to be on the other end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a huge demand for the tickets. Okay. What I, were you charging at the time? I was charging 150 Okay. Per person. Per person, which was all inclusive. Okay. And in the beginning, I did just a one night. And then I quickly realized that one night is a lot of work. Because you have to bring in all the rentals. You have to mm-hmm. bring in all the lights. You have to bring in all the heaters. I mean, it was definitely a production. Yeah, for 150 you wanted to put on a decent, you know, I want to look decent at least. Exactly. And it was super fun. And we kind of had this quirky thing. When people arrived, they got a little uh, map. Okay. So they pull up to this street, and it kind of looks like a little residential house, which it was. <laughs> uh, but it opened up to a bit backyard that's really big. So they would get a little map that would say something like, uh, meet us in the front yard and uh, meet the chickens and the uh, pig and have de- deviled eggs and ham. Meet us in the vineyard and meet a winemaker and drink some local wine. Meet us by the barn, meet the goats and have goat cheese pizza. Down by the beehives, have some honey with cheese. So it would be an interactive experience throughout the yard where you would meet somebody who either made local honey or made uh, local olive oil or wine, and we will have that product in the yard. That's amazing. So, you know, Malibu Malibu Farm is successful. Why the decision to kind of open up in Miami? Well, so we first opened, uh, actually, the city of Malibu ended up shutting us down because after a while they were like, there's... uh, 
150 people coming Friday, Saturday, and Sunday <laughs> to your house. This is an illegal yeah, you don't have <laughs> restaurant license. in your backyard. Yeah. Exactly. So I started to look for um, commercial. Um, uh, I mean, I had like demand for something I was selling, but nowhere to have it. So I was trying to travel around Malibu to other farms and ranches. Not so many choices. Um, so my husband read an article about the Malibu Pier being completely vacant. Okay. And he said, why don't you ask them if you can have a farm dinner on the pier? So that was like the first idea, us coming there for the farm dinner. But it actually seemed like a pretty stupid idea to me because we were doing this farm concept where you're looking, where you're walking in the vineyard. You're literally you, in the farm. In the farm. So walking up and down pier. the pier <laughs> seemed kind of stupid, but he was very insistent. So I sent this email to the pier and they were like, yes, this pier has been vacant for years. Please do come have a dinner. And that conversation actually led to the short-term pop-up. Not a one-night dinner, but a six-month pop-up. Oh, cool. And funnily enough, one of our very first customers at this pop-up at the end of the pier was Mayor Tepper, who is one of the uh, co-owners of uh, Nobu Hospitality Group mm-hmm. and Nobu Restaurants. And one day when I was there, somebody said, there's some man out there that want to meet you. <laughs> He's like, who is this Swedish chef? <laughs> and I go to this table and there's... He was with three other people, I think, and I, I didn't really know who they were, and I'm kind of awkward socially, so I'm like, hello. You know? <laughs> and after they, and he said his name, but I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, when um, when they left, they were like, oh, that's the owner of Nobu. And I'm thinking, that's so random. How has he found my tiny pop-up cafe at the end of the pier? Yeah. But he was one of our first customers, and he started coming in uh, almost daily, and we would start to talk. And he was always like, oh, one day I want to do a project um, together. So when they moved into the uh, Eden Rock Hotel, converting one of the wings to the Mm -hmm. Nobu Hotel, he reached out to me and said, Helena, would you be interested in this? And it was kind of like, wait, I have a tiny pop-up at the end of the pier? I get to open in Miami? This is, like, amazing. (laughs) (laughs) How would you compare Cali to, to, to Miami, Malibu to Miami? It's the same, but it's extremely different. <laughs> How the so? Different ocean. I mean, yeah, the, the um, same. Um, looking at the beautiful water, beautiful beaches, some of that is the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the people, Malibu is very laid back, super casual. Everyone is in their workout clothes. Um, I don't think anyone has ever stepped on that pier with high heels. Whereas <laughs> <laughs> in Miami, it's really like the big city version of that. Even though Miami is a much smaller city than LA, mm-hmm. uh, everyone has got the hair. The heels, the outfit. They go to the beach in heels. Exactly. Is there something that was on the first menu that has never left the menu? Well, uh, the Swedish pancakes we always have on all our menus. Mm -hmm. Um, We have the fried egg sandwich. Um, A lot of the things have have stayed on the menu from the very first cafe menu. What's your favorite thing on the menu? You know, it does change. I would say I'm a sucker for breakfast Personally, okay. I never get tired of the multigrain pancake or uh, the oatmeal. Mm-hmm. How, how much time do you get to spend down here in Miami? Uh, quite a bit over the years. I think this is my third or fourth trip here this year. Okay. And what are some, do you have time to go out and try other restaurants down here? I have not left that much, but I do love um, 27 at the okay. Broken Shaker. Mm-hmm. Mandolin is super fun. Okay. I do love the one hotel. Okay. As well. Um, where else have I been? <laughs> I've been to um, the Genuine, Michael's Genuine. Okay. Yeah, that's nice. They're all great places. Yeah. And you have a cookbook, too, by the same name, correct? I do. And I actually wrote the cookbook before the restaurant you did. opened. So can people, are some of the recipes in the cookbook in, on the actual menu? 
yes, a lot of the recipes in the cookbook, which was mm-hmm. based on the farm dinners, okay, um, are in the cookbook. Now, my fa- one of my favorite dishes at the restaurant is the avocado pizza. Is that in the cookbook? That is not in the and cookbook. That is a Miami special. Miami special? Yes, because uh, Miami is the only place that has a pizza oven. We do okay. not have a pizza oven on the pier, and we do not have a pizza oven in Newport Beach. We're super jealous that Miami has be. a pizza oven. They should be. <laughs> we tried to get a permit from Malibu, but it was never approved, so I don't know that we'll get one. <laughs> now, for someone looking to, you know, hear, she, he or she hears your story and, and kind of wants to kind of follow a path and, you know, trying to get into the business, become a chef or open a restaurant, what's, like, the best piece of advice you can give to them? Um, I I don't know what the best advice is, but I would say for me, I had a very clear idea what I was trying to do Mm -hmm. and what I wanted to do. And I wasn't, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad (laughs) thing, but I wasn't really willing to compromise. So when I opened at the end of the pier, I had my idea what I wanted to serve, but everyone was like, well, are you going to be Malibu Farm if you're at the end of the pier? Are you going to change your name? And it's kind of like, well, no, this is the brand that I've been building. Yeah, it's a brand. It mean and then they would say, well, you're at the end of the pier. Are you going to have French fries and Coca-Cola? <laughs> and I'm just like, no, <laughs> I make broccoli mashed potatoes and kill apple juice. <laughs> and every person was like, well, this sounds like a huge mistake. You're really going to fail because the people on the pier, they're just coming for soda and French fries. And maybe if I had investors at that time, because what that restaurant did have that was there, it only had one giant deep fryer and it had like four soda machines, all of which I ripped out. And everyone's like, well, this is a huge mistake. This is like good money that's there. You should mm-hmm. use this equipment. And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that because I don't believe in that and I don't want to sell that. Correct. And it's your so, own. It's your own brand. I mean, you're allowed to kind of do whatever. It was that, but you know that's hard to do if you have Invest- you know investors know. that are trying to get you to change your concept. Mm-hmm. So now everyone's like, oh yeah, that was a great idea. But at the time, you know, there was definitely every person that I said it to. They thought I kind of lost my marbles. But I'm kind of like, well, I can only be who I am, <laughs> and wherever I go, there I am, right? So whether I'm on the farm or at the end of the pier, I'm still me. Yeah. And I can't really change because I'm changing. <laughs> yeah. You know. Right. Uh, changing location. So that would be really all I say is have that clear idea who you are and what you want to be and what you want to do. What would you say is kind of like your favorite ingredient to cook with? You know, people say that I have an arugula obsession, which is... (laughs) I love arugula. There's nothing (laughs) wrong with arugula. Which is yes or no. I'm not obsessed with arugula, but I do have a fair... I do do a fair amount of farming myself in my own yard. And the one thing that I did learn very quickly on is that squirrels do not eat arugula. <laughs> Snails do not eat arugula. Okay. Gophers do not eat arugula. So I would have all these other crops and I would turn around and they'd be eaten by other critters who were hungry too. But my arugula patch was always perfect. Okay. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to grow more arugula because <laughs> I don't have to fight nature with my arugula. And then because I had so much of it, I started adding it to pretty much everything. And so there you go. Now, if you weren't doing this Malibu farm, you didn't have Malibu farm, you weren't a chef. Do you have an idea what you think you might be doing? I probably would still be doing the private chef work. Private chef work? Yeah. Okay. And where kind of do you see yourself in the next five years? Do you see yourself more Malibu farm locations or maybe a new concept that you've always wanted to open? 
Um, but now that you've kind of established yourself and the brand, you can kind of try it, try your, your, your hands at it. You know, I don't know. I'm more like one day, one foot in front of each other. Forward motion is everything. I think we can make the best of plans that don't come out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just try to stay true to myself and do the things that feel right without doing too much planning. Okay. I don't know what the future has. I don't know that I would try to create another concept. Okay. Um, there may be a lower end version of a Mel Farm, or there may be a higher end version of it. Okay. Um, I think that might be it. Do you see yourself on like these TV shows, like a Top Chef or something, one day? No, I always <laughs> like to hide. I like to sink behind. <laughs> so, so you're, people. You're... I like to sink underneath the table. I would rather pretend to be the busser <laughs> than the owner. I'm not super um, socially out there. I'm more like the nerd in the back of the classroom. <laughs> don't look at me. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Well, Helene, thank you so much for coming on the show. Tell people how uh, they can follow you and check out the restaurant. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. You can visit our restaurants in Malibu and, of course, here in Miami Beach. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter. And uh, <laughs> A big thanks to Eileen Henderson, the founder and chef of Malibu Farm, for coming on the show. Uh, make sure you check out Malibu Farm at the Eden Rock. The restaurant, absolutely amazing. I love the avocado pizza. It's worth everything. So make sure you check it out. Uh, Malibu Farm at the Eden Rock. Now let's take a quick break. More of episode three of WTF Where's the Food presented by the Halak guys after this message. Now, if you haven't heard by now, New York's most famous street food has come to Miami. The world-famous Hala Guys is now open in South Miami. Here's the address, 5966 South Dixie Highway. You want to go there and enjoy that world-famous chicken and beef euro platter or sandwich. Whatever you want, it's up to you. And you can't forget about their famous white and red sauces either. It's all about the sauce. The more white sauce, the better. And if you like spicy like me, the hot sauce is absolutely ridiculous. Now, you've seen all your friends post about the Halal Guys on Instagram. Well, now you can enjoy this deliciousness for yourself at the new Halal Guys in South Miami, 5966 South Dixie Highway. You go for lunch or dinner, tell them that the foodie sent you. And for all my people in Brickle, check this out. The Halal Guys is coming to your neighborhood in just a few weeks at the new 1010 Brickle building on 10th Street. I will be there at the opening. I hope to see you there. More info on that coming real soon, but make sure you check out the Halal Guys. You love them from New York. They're now in your backyard in your neighborhood the Hala guys now open in south miami 5966 south dixie highway make sure you check them out and tell them nick from the foodie sent you back to episode three of wtf where's the food season two presented by the Hala guys and let's jump into food news Now, Twix Candy Bars has a new flavor. Twix Triple Chocolate is coming in December, and this new candy consists of new chocolate cookie bars and chocolate caramel covered in milk chocolate. You'll also find Twix Triple Chocolate Ice Cream Bars early next year and will be made of rich and creamy chocolate ice cream, smooth caramel, and crunchy chocolate cookies surrounded by a chocolatey coating. Burger King has a new frozen Fanta drink. It's called the Scary Black Cherry. Now, apparently, people on Twitter are reporting that this new frozen drink turns your teeth black and allegedly 
results in all kinds of odd poop colors. Black, blue, green, you name it. Um, this new drink is available now at Burger King. If you're into this and you want to try it, it's available at all Burger King locations. And you can try it through November 12th if you dare. Moose Munch and Cinnabon just dropped their collab popcorn creation. The new Cinnabon glazed popcorn found that Harry and David is just like it sounds. It's made with creamy caramel, truffle white chocolate, and the sticky sweet cream cheese frosting. You can get two pound packs for $29.99, and they're on sale right now for a limited time. Now, we all love a good Hershey's chocolate bar and some Reese's peanut butter cups, right? Well, now you don't just have to pick one. The Hershey Company has created a brand new chocolate bar called the Hershey's Milk Chocolate Bar with Reese's Pieces candies inside. This new candy bar is launching at the end of November and will come in a standard size and king size. Snickers is ready to change the game with its new candy bars. Snickers is swapping out the crunchy nuts to bring three new creamy flavors to the table. Get ready for creamy Snickers almond butter bars, peanut butter bars, and maple almond butter bars. These new bars will be available nationwide in January next year. Trader Joe's has always had um, amazing products, right, that you can't get anywhere else. Well, now they have released TJ's Hot Cocoa Dunkers. Now, these Hot Cocoa Dunkers are made with real cocoa dipped in a chocolatey coating with chocolate chunks and marshmallow pieces that taste just like hot chocolate and are perfect for dipping. Now, the 15-ounce tubes of cookies are available now for $3.99 and are a seasonal item. So once they're gone, they're gone. And who doesn't love goldfish, right? Well, Pepperidge Farm just rolled out a brand new nacho flavor called Epic Crunch of Goldfish. It's a mashup of goldfish and crunchy nacho tortilla chips. The sad news that it won't hit shelves till January next year, but at least we have something to look forward to in the new year. Food porn of the week. This week's Food Porn of the Week is coming to us from at Sweet Portfolio. Make sure you give her a follow. Her name is Valentina, and she posted a giant chocolate macaroon from D. Baker's Macaroon Bar in Wynwood. Now, you have to see this video. I'm telling you. It's filled with chocolate cheesecake dough. The macaroon is filled with chocolate cheesecake dough, Ferrero Roche truffles, and lots, I'm talking lots of melted Nutella. This is epic. It's insane. And it's definitely food porn. So you got to see it for yourself. I just reposted it on Instagram at the foodie, T-H-E-F-O-O-D-E. And of course, make sure to give my friend at Sweet Portfolio a follow. And if you do see some food porn that you think I should highlight in an episode, make sure to tag me on Instagram at the foodie. And that's going to wrap up episode number three of season two. Thank you guys for listening. We got season two rolling big time next week. John Offerdahl, you know, the football player, he's joining me on the show. Going to talk about his restaurants, his big festival, all that fun stuff, plus some football talk. And earlier I mentioned it, this is South Beach Seafood Week. Um, If you haven't heard by now, I'm co-hosting an event this Thursday, October 18th, called Crab Slabs and Cabs with Miami Food Porn. It's going to be amazing. It's happening at the Shelbourne. Um, You're going to be jealous of your friends who did buy tickets, but... I can tell you, you can see it on Instagram. I'm going to be posting lots of stuff on the foodie. And of course, don't forget, the festival is still happening on Saturday. We still got tickets. You can get your tickets now. SobeySeafoodFest.com. Use the code FOODIE, F-O-O-D-E. And you're going to get 20% off your tickets. It's a great event. You want to check it out. Something to do on Saturday. A little day drinking, a little eating some seafood. Joe Stone Crab. Stone Crab season officially underway. What better? Make sure you check it out. SobeySeafoodFest.com. And if you are going to Crab Slabs and Cabs, I hope to see you there. Come and say hi. I would love to say hi. Thank you guys for listening to WTF Words of Food presented by the Halal guys you can listen on the website thefoodie.com full episodes on the website thefoodie.com t-h-e-f-o-o-d-e.com of course you can subscribe and download as well apple Podcasts, google play soundcloud stitcher spotify 
all that and more. And of course, you can follow me right now, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Foodie, T-H-E-F-O-O-D-E. I hope you join me for next week's episode. My name is Nick. I hope to see you on the Sands of South Beach this weekend for Sobe Seafood Festival. And always remember to hashtag never stop eating. Peace.